to We're Talking Drums, creating conversations with the world's top drummers in the most extreme genres. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the We're Talking Drums podcast. Uh, Happy New Year. It is 2022 and I'm excited to get back at it. We had a little bit of time off there with the holiday season. Hopefully you and your families have been staying safe and keeping warm. It's getting a little chilly out there. I don't know uh, where you guys are, but uh, up in here, here in Canada, it's uh finally getting a little chilly and we're getting some winter weather now which is uh you know what the older i get the less i like the winter you know like and the more i'm like it makes sense why people go to florida you know i i like it tropical man (laughs) i want to go so so bad but this is where i live and this is uh where it's happening right now so Anyways, here we go. We're getting into it. Episode 51. I sat down with Eric W. Brown from Necrogoblicon. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, The new Necrogoblicon album, The Fundamental Slimes and Humors, which will be out April 1st. They worked with Jason Sukoff on that. We kind of uh, discussed how the relationship between a producer and the band members can play a crucial part in the enjoyment of making a record, uh, which can also determine how well the album turns out. Um, We also talk about coffee how we like to take our coffee and how much coffee we consume in a day, which is probably extremely unhealthy for uh, for both of us. Uh, we talk about some of his history, some of his past bands, um, including Destroy, 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 which I was not aware that he played for uh, until uh, about 20 minutes before we did this episode, and I absolutely love that band. If you do not know Destroy, 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 then go check out the album Devour the Power, because Eric played on that record, and it is absolutely sick. All right. Um, lastly, we we discussed what his uh, his day job is uh, as the musical director of a video game. So doing all the music for an entire RPG video game. He works for Sabotage Studios, uh, and how him being in Colorado and them being based out of Quebec, Canada, and how that kind of functions on a day to day, and you know everything that goes in with doing audio for an entire video game there so please pre-save that game that's sea of stars uh and it will be available on nintendo switch as well which is super fucking rad um other than that we pretty much just talk about uh blast beats and how they pretty much improve literally everything and how they are underutilized in other genres really really pop music step up your game all right so here's my chat with eric w brown have a good day and we'll catch you next time eric brown welcome to the we're talking drums podcast how you doing today man i'm doing well uh i'm doing pretty well how are you doing i'm doing all right i'm doing all right i'm a couple hours ahead of you 
little later in the evening, but I'm still uh, enjoying some good old coffee because gotta gotta keep doing work even in the late hours of the day. You know, that's it, man. Coffee's kind of an all day drink in this house. It really is. So yeah, always from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. Doesn't matter. I need that caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really. It doesn't really affect me. You know, it's like. People like they can't drink coffee past a certain time. Like, oh, I'll mm-hmm. never get to sleep. I'm like, I've never had that problem. No, like I can just drink coffee right up until the moment I go to bed, and I'm I'm chilling. Yeah, for the most part, I did find for a little bit I would chill out on the coffee, so I'm I would only have one coffee in the morning, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found Ooh. when I had an afternoon coffee, when I had one at like one in the afternoon or two or something like that it really like was a really good pick me up like the caffeine nice. like hit me a lot harder rather than if i have my usual like three or four coffees in the morning if i have one mm. in the afternoon it's just kind of keeping me my head yeah. above water you know <laughs> rather than really I should, yeah that's actually a pretty good idea i should probably try that because i just usually have like yeah probably about three or four in the morning right basically the entire pot you know, mm-hmm. just because yeah. it's delicious and I like drinking it and uh, no one told me I couldn't. So that's why I kept doing it. I did for a little bit. I'd switch to decaf too, because I just, I love Ooh. coffee. And if I'm going to have placebo a, coffee, right? So you still mm. like, okay, I'm drinking coffee, but you don't get the caffeine crash at any point. It's just, yeah, mm. it's just a, a delicious warm beverage. It's not as tasty though. You know, are you a cream sugar guy or I'm I'm a black guy. I don't like anything. Straight up, okay. Straight up. I I I want I tried to, you know, I like uh I like it light and sweet, but instead of using sugar, I use monk fruit and uh which I kind of discovered it's like a keto thing, but it's it's powdered monk fruit. It has the same consistency as regular sugar except it's only 1 gram of carb per 1 gram of uh monk fruit. Oh, and wow. it's really good, and you can use it as basically in place of sugar in anything, and it works the same. That's sick. As far as I can tell, it tastes the same. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. I'm. Uh, this podcast brought to you by Monk Fruit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it sounds way better than using like a sweetener or something like that, because right, like uh, the artificial shit. I mean, I yeah. try to stay away from that kind of stuff. Yeah, anyway. and I was. I mean, I do like a little bit of sweet in the coffee, but. I think just drink, just eating that much sugar all the time is not good. Yeah, it's man. like I don't know how old you are, but I'm in my 30s, so I feel like I need to, you know, make better choices. I guess, yeah, kind of set me up for the rest <laughs> of life there. Yeah, I'm in my my mid 30s as well. We don't go yeah, to there numbers. We go. We're like the same age. Yeah. yeah, but uh, a, a while ago, I uh, I because I love sugar in my coffee. I love it. It mm-hmm. tastes like candy like as a treat, right? Yeah, it, it's like mm-hmm. it's like candy water. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I got carried away with it, and I knew I was like, no, I can't, mm. I can't be trusted. So I uh, like I like a little bit, you know, like not too much, but just a little bit to kind of well, cut the uh, you know the bitterness. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. See, and I, then a little bit of cream or, you know, oat milk or whatever. Yeah, I... Oat milk and monk fruit. Mm. <laughs> so hipster, man. Come on. So metal, dude. Are you kidding me? That's true metal. <laughs> That's true metal? All right. <laughs> um, well, I, I was lactose intolerant, so I just uh, stopped having cream. And this oh, was probably like 10 or 12, 14 years ago or so. So it was okay. before like... Almond milk was like a really big thing or anything like that. Yeah. So I just started drinking it black with sugar and I got up to mm-hmm. like, I was drink I was 
having like four sugars in my coffee every morning. And mm. I, yeah, it got to the point where I was like, no, I'm going to get diabetes and I don't want that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So it's been like over Not a decade good. probably of just like, just black, man. And I love it. I love it. Right on. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's how it goes, you know? And like, I don't, I don't like IPAs, but I feel like anyone who likes IPAs, they're like, yeah, I just hated it forever. And then one day I loved it. Yeah. I don't know. It's I like don't know. Same kind of- when it came to beer, I, um, I always enjoyed them but i would never go like heavy into them until the last like i'd say like three or four years i quit drinking like a year and a half ago um oh, so good job. congrats thank you man yeah it needed to happen and i love it mm. uh i still go for if i'm gonna go for like a non-alcoholic i do go for like a craft ipa and i found a couple okay. that are really really nice because uh, mm-hmm. I love craft beer, like I, I absolutely yeah. love it. But yeah, it doesn't uh, love me, you know. <laughs> right, deal. But that's kind of cool though, because I feel like you know a lot of uh, breweries and stuff are. I mean, there's like a, I don't know if like a non-alcoholic like trend or whatever, you know. But the way people drink seltzers now, and you know, everyone just kind of wants like an alternative to drinking booze all the time. Dude, so I feel like there's a lot of like craft, like non-alcoholic stuff. A available. ton, and I, uh, yeah. I was in, great. I was in Montreal recording an album uh, in December, and just going into their convenience stores and like beer stores and everything, and seeing the amount of non-alcoholic beer like that yeah. Quebec uh, breweries are doing. Like we don't have mm-hmm. as much of it here. You have to go to more like yeah. special stores to get that stuff. But in Quebec, right. it's mm-hmm. everywhere, and it was so sick. I like that's really cool. Every time I go, there was like six different brands that I was trying from all these like micro brews and and stuff like that. And it was I found some really really fucking tasty ones. So that's really cool. Yeah, man, it's delicious. But yeah, I don't know. I think that those IPA guys and like coffee snobs kind of go hand in hand (laughs) nowadays yeah they're good buddies yeah probably yeah i want to get into coffee really bad i've been talking about it for the last like month or so like i want to get into coffee Mm. like have something that is really i grind the beans fresh every morning um and i bought like uh what is it like coffee association whatever like approved um coffee pot it's like a bonavita or whatever it's pretty nice i mean it was like it's not like a Mr. Coffee or whatever, but I, it was approved by like the Coffee Snob Association. It's sick. And uh, I got like a nice grinder, grind the beans. That's about as far as I'll take it, though. You know, I'll try different stuff. And yeah, I yeah. like, you know, maybe more on like the medium kind of or lighter roast. But other than that, yeah, I don't, I'm not like uh, that's about as, as deep as I'll go down that rabbit hole. Well, I. Uh I bought a really nice bag of coffee like for over the holidays because uh, mm. normally in my house, we drink so much coffee that we buy like the cheapest stuff imaginable. Utility coffee. Yeah. yeah. We, we we buy Maxwell House, the it's large such a, Man, it's such a difference though, like getting the good stuff. There's like oh, a, a roaster down the street for me and it's like 16 bucks a pound or whatever, but it's like really fucking good. Fuck. And they have different different roasts and like different regions and things like that. Mm. Um, but that's nice, you know? Yeah. My, my cousin actually, uh, owns a roastery or something like that about an hour away from, from my place. So I should go down and yeah. Oh yeah. You gotta get him to hook it up. Are you kidding? Yeah. I should definitely do that. All right. I'm going to talk to him. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Jamie, I'm, I'm coming. I'm hanging out. All right. (laughs) 
Yeah, get some for me too. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. I'll ship it down. Uh, and you are in Colorado these days. Yeah, in Denver. I'm actually, I live in Inglewood currently, um, which is like about 12 minutes south of the city. Uh, if anyone who's familiar has played at like the Gothic or Moe's Barbecue, I'm like a quarter mile from there. Oh, sick, man. Um, for now, but I, I'm actually going to have to move in uh, in a few months. Um yeah just like get some new walls and i think the landlord is is selling the place and i would really like to get into owning something i just i don't have half a million dollars you know yeah nor do i want to necessarily be in debt for that much for i mean that's that we're talking like three bedrooms for like you know like the cheapest i'm i'm finding right now is about 400 for like what i need you know what i mean and it's like i, I don't really want to pay that much to live here i've been here like 11 years at this point oh, yeah. and um you know i mean it's a great city and i got like a pretty good thing going i got a good friend group and all that and you know it's it's a nice place to live um but yeah i don't uh when it comes to like actually putting down the money to you know commit to like staying in a place for at least like five years or whatever um, I don't know. It just seems like it's kind of scary to think about, I think. Yeah, man. I, uh, I feel you on that around here. It's like not even a question. Like I'm, I'm not going to buy something like the cheapest yeah. I can find is, is anywhere close to what I, I would need would be like mm. 800,000. Oh, wow. Like, it is insane, yeah, insane. in, in yeah. southern Ontario and especially around Toronto. But the good thing yeah. is, is I do, I am like part owner of a house right now. So when we oh, sell, cool. it, yeah. you know, that's a good thing, right? You get a little so, chunk there. Yeah. But yeah. It's like, I, I think also I just, you know, it was like, I mean, not lately, obviously, but touring a lot. And I just, I think I've always, I've just moved around a bunch. Mm -hmm. I mean, every one to three years since I turned 18, I've moved. And I think I just never really um, liked the the feeling of being tied down anywhere in particular. Um, but at this point, you know, it's like, and I've I've got like a job and shit, and you know, I want to like have something, you know, more secure. I'd love to build a studio, not for commercial purposes because I don't want to record bands, but just a place to work and to record and practice. You know, yeah, that's the dream. Well, especially for us drummers, it's so yeah. difficult to exactly, yeah, to be able I've, to practice. I've always had, yeah, like just to be able to play your instrument where you live, yeah. And and I've had uh, roommates that were uh, very supportive and just kind of <laughs> put up with it. And um, you know, but it's like, yeah, I've always had to. I've had like practice spaces before, but now, you know, where my work is sort of in the studio lately. So I kind of want to just have a hybrid setup where I can play and not bother anyone and not get the cops called and also, you know, create music and mm -hmm. do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's something where you can just like walk upstairs and you're in your own kitchen and you know, it's your own, yeah. it's more of a, a comfortable place as well, you know, which is, I've yeah. been, I've been very fortunate that I have always made sure that any place I lived, I moved around a, like a fair bit in my 20s, but I always made sure it's mm. in a house with a group of guys. Um, most of the time, it's guys I played with, right. um, but or they're like very supportive of the band and stuff. So we'd always rehearse yeah. at the house yeah. uh, or, okay. 
yeah. or some something of that nature. I've never needed to have like a a jam space, uh, and also yeah. that's that's more cost as well, right? So yeah, r- right now I'm for playing sure. for a band uh, at a Hamilton that uh, we do have a jam space, uh, which is mm-hmm. actually like kind of sick because I'm not used to going to a separate building and having right. nobody else there and just like. I can play, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Nobody can that's hear honestly, me. That's honestly like so huge, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, for the longest time, the dream was to like be able to work from home. And then, you know, especially after the last two years, I'm like, now the dream is to be able to work not in the home, even <laughs> though I essentially work for myself. Yeah. But I just, to be able to have that space between, cause I could like, you know, be practicing in my basement and then I'm like, I just, just like, there's so many distractions. Like go upstairs. Oh shit. I should wash a dish, you know, or it's like, <laughs> oh, I should check the mail or, you know, whatever. Like it's just annoying. And then I don't know to have that separation where you actually have to leave your house and then go to where you're getting stuff done. Yeah. And then you leave for the day and then you can come back and live your life and you can kind of, you know, have something else other than you know, what you spend your time doing, I guess. It takes a certain amount of discipline to have your office and studio and everything in your own house and to oh, like huge. to, yeah, to sit huge. down and be like, all right, from fucking say like 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. I am yeah. at work, but you're still at home, but you need right. to get a certain amount done. Like, dude, it, it takes takes a lot to be able to do that. So Yeah, it, it's really, I mean, that's everything. I think that's the hardest part about being working from home especially you know or like being mm-hmm. self-employed like if you had a job where you had to clock in i mean you're expected there at a certain time and you have a boss telling you what to do and you have like tasks or whatever that you have to complete but you know if you work for yourself you kind of have to do that to yourself yeah. and hold yourself accountable and I think that's the that's the trickiest part for real yeah it is, man. It definitely is. So, when you say that you work for yourself, are you uh, are you talking to, talking about Sabotage Studios? Right. So, yeah, I do work for them full time, um, but technically, because the the company's based in Quebec City. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, and since I live in the states, I'm technically um, still an independent contractor, even though I'm like the guy. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they're. They're keeping a seat warm for me if if I ever want to move to Quebec. Um, but I think uh, maybe if the band goes tits up, that I'll be headed that way. But I think it would it would make touring very difficult, you know, with visas and all that. Um, plus, you know, it's like I don't know. I, I can we still everyone on the team is like we we have objectives and everything we're working towards, and mm-hmm. um, you know, but we're all kind of self driven and self motivated and. We know no one's like breathing down our necks to be like, you didn't clock in today. You know what I mean? Like you, everyone is well aware of what needs to happen and what they need to do to make it happen. And, you know, there's milestones along the way that we're trying to hit. And so it's like, yeah, so it's, it's been pretty, pretty steady for, uh, with all that. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, so. Yeah. I can imagine, man. I have no idea what goes into creating video games of that nature. Mm. So yeah, well, it's really, um, I mean, it's it's really cool just, like, being a part of the team where, like, everyone is independently focused on their specific disciplines. Like, we'll have, we have a level designer, but he doesn't do art, so we have the character artist who's doing, in animators, uh, you know, they'll do all the enemies and, like, the, the main protagonists, 
And then there's the level artist who's actually drawing and creating the, um, like the level art and the textures and the backgrounds and stuff. Mm -hmm. We have a technical artist who, um, uses uh, code to, and a combination of things, but basically the technical artist, uh, all the like wind and like the fog and the water, uh, everything like that in the game that has like motion, he does that Mm -hmm. as opposed to like the animators don't draw a tree and then also animate it swaying. Like they'll draw the tree. The technical artist writes code for the wind to make it look like it's swaying in the breeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So like that kind of stuff. And then, um, and then there's the, the game designer who co-founded the studio. He do, he's doing all the writing and like all the, the script and everything. And it's like his, uh, story that he's been wanting to tell since he was like nine years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he does that. And then there's like our uh, producer man who kind of like makes sure everyone has what they need to do their job. And, you know, there's like the marketing stuff. So there's like 23 different people all doing different things. Um, but then there's me doing all of the audio, <laughs> all of the sound effects, all of the music. Um, I have a, a friend of mine, actually Jake from Aether Realm. Oh, he, nice. uh, yeah. So he helps me out one day a week. And, um, we kind of, sometimes we'll bounce songs back and forth. Um, but mostly it's a lot of, just cause it's like hundreds and hundreds of assets for sound effects. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of helps me to like manage some of that and he'll do a lot of the sound design for, um, you know, different enemies and GPI stuff, things like that. Um, cause it's a lot of it is just like sourcing from, you know, like splice is actually a really good resource. Yeah. Um, just, you know, stuff and then chop it up, process it, whatever. Um, but it just really helps to have somebody else kind of like keep me sane a little bit because, so I just don't get overwhelmed. Yeah. Cause it seems like everybody else on like the video, the visual side of things, they have yeah. like, yeah, like you said, like 20, 23 people or whatever there mm-hmm. when audio, it's just, it's you. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and initially I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to do all of it and it's going to yeah. be sick, you know, but then I'm like, okay, this is actually way too much. Yeah. Um, but you know, like it was fine for the messenger was our first game and that was all like eight bit. Um, and then it changes to 16 bit later, but, uh, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> that's fine. That's already out there. Um, and I did all the sound effects for that, but like the process was like so different than what we're doing now. And the scope of Sea of Stars, which is the game we're working on now, is like four times the size of yeah. Messenger. So it's like much, much, uh, much different in terms of like what needs to go into that. Yeah, dude. Well, it's, it seems like it's a at least a a fun day job to to be doing. Right. And, oh, yeah, and working yeah. with mean, music and video games mixed together. That's like some guy's dream out there. You know? I mean, it's it's really sick for sure. But I mean, like I said, you know, the, the biggest challenges is just sort of like basically, you know, coming up with like your own, you know, action lists or whatever. Yeah. Just basically trying to manage your time to where you're um, you're getting stuff done efficiently and um and also like, you know, the working from home, it's like, yeah, it's great, you know, to work around sounds and, and music all day long. But then, you know, if you spend like, cause like having the studio in the home, it's like, you're never fully 
checked out or you're never it's like you're kind of always on the clock so rather than working from home it's more like living at work you know where i'm just like my brain is constantly on the project like all day long and i have to like force myself to take breaks and you know it's like i'll go practice for an hour or two um you know or just like part of my day is like leaving the house to go get lunch or something you know what i mean and but then it comes to a certain point in the day where i'm like okay yeah it's like almost 1 a.m. I should probably like, you know, just chill for a bit before going to bed and then waking up and doing it all over again. So, yeah. And, and, uh, like, yeah, it, it, it'd be fun, like working with audio and everything, but you kind of, like you said, like you kind of have to make sure that you have a set schedule and you have to make sure that you are getting all the work done. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And that's, yeah, it's yeah. like I'm not even worried about that. I'm just kind of worried about like overdoing it, you know, mm. or having too it, much fun with it. <laughs> yeah, or you know, just like you get burnt out really easily doing yeah. that. So oh, you yeah. kind of have yeah, to yeah. force yourself to, you know, remove yourself and I was like, okay, maybe I'll go like play a video game for a change, and, you know, and spend right. like a couple hours doing that. And um I don't know, lately what's kind of helped is like not excuse me like not like just waking up and immediately diving in to it it's Mm -hmm. like i'll like to you know drink my coffee and you know check the phone for a little bit but then like play a video game for a minute or just like you know i usually hit the pad for a little while in the morning um just something to like you know watch some videos like you know nothing to where to where you're not just like diving basically waking up and diving headfirst into work and kind of like pacing yourself throughout the day yeah um so yeah so that's kind of important absolutely all right so let's get into some drum stuff then man you say you uh like to hit the pad in the morning do you have Mm -hmm. like uh any kind of routine that you do for warm-ups or anything get your hands going or do you kind of just like fiddle around with the sticks and just yeah a lot of both um i mean you know just like Like, uh, it's a lot of singles and doubles and metronome stuff or just like listening to music and just tapping along mm-hmm. and like paradiddles. I've been trying to work on like inverted paradiddles a lot just cause like the paradiddles are so like ingrained for so many years. I'd never really worked out. I never really worked on like inverted paradiddles and, um, just trying to get that to feel more natural and, um, you know, strengthening doubles and things like that. But I think as long as you're just as long as you're hitting something, then, you know, you're doing fine. But I don't, I don't have any like specific routine per se. I would say it kind of varies, you know, anything, even just like listening to music and just tapping along. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite routines in the morning, um, that I would like find just something new to listen to. Mm-hmm. And like, as I'm doing like my morning workout or whatever, in between like Mm -hmm. reps, I just pick up the sticks and then tap along to it, whatever tempo it is. And you can always find a spot that is, is comfortable for you, whether it's doing like eight note trip, uh, or like triplets or 16ths. like there's gotta be something Mm -hmm. in, in there, no matter what tempo the song is, right. You can find something that's going to be a subdivision for everyone out there. That's it, man. (laughs) Subdivision for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, man. That's one of my favorite things to do because it's it just for so many years, it was all about like, okay, I have to practice my, get my single strokes uh, as fast as possible, or I got to work on yeah. my doubles or paradiddles. When now it's just like, I, I want to do stuff 
almost for fun and it's more about just the action of having sticks in my hand and playing that yeah. that like kind I mean, of just gets dude, me in the groove you yeah know? that's major honestly yeah because like, you can same same thing with like getting burnt out on work i mean you can if you push yourself too hard you'll start to hate it but mm-hmm. and then if you do that then you kind of slip up and you stop practicing for a while and then and then someone messages you and like, hey, uh, are you available to do this gig? And you're like, oh, shit, like um, I haven't practiced in like a month and a half. So <laughs> like, OK, well, it's next week. And like, well, shit, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's better to just just keep things like consistent and mm-hmm. not overthink it. And as long as you're doing like something every day, I think it was like um, like Jerry Seinfeld, his uh one of his processes he talks about is like putting up a calendar on the wall. And I mean, obviously for him it was writing, but like anytime, every day you write something, you put an X on the, on the calendar for that day. Yeah. And all you, and the objective was to just not break the chain. It's like, it doesn't matter if you write for five minutes or for three hours, like as long as you're doing something, you can put an X for that day. And so you, when you look at the calendar and there's all these X's, you just try not to break the chain. And I, I thought that was interesting. That was like one of his things. That can go for like anything. Cause I, 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 yeah. uh, I watched a video on a guy that was Any, like anything you want to improve at. Yeah, for sure. Just that's gotta it. Be doing it or anything yeah. that you just want to accomplish. Really? I like, I, yeah. I, so I saw a guy and he was like, um, he was talking about cold shower therapy and mm-hmm. he was like, I wanted to do it for 30 days. And once you get through the first like three days of doing it, yeah. Yeah. You see the rest of the calendar, you're like, holy shit, like there's so many <laughs> days left of having yeah. to do these ice cold showers. But once you get into it, like you don't want to stop, you know, because right. as soon that's as you also, yeah, that's like a lot of things too, where it's just, you know, even like in smaller increments, like, uh, you're just trying to stay focused and like write a song, you mm-hmm. know, if you get past that, like 15 minute hump without distractions, then you can just coast and you're like in flow state. Yeah, you know, when, and so I think, yeah, on the larger scale, if you're doing something every day, trying to build habits, yeah, you know, same the same thing applies. Yeah, because once you miss one day of that, you have failed. You slip up. You have yeah. failed, and you have to start over. Essentially, like in my head, yeah. that's how it is. Anyways, so anytime I slip yeah. up and I miss a day in in that context, like reset the clock. Yeah, I always like end up like saying fuck it for a whole week. <laughs> right yeah, and then yeah, like, exactly. I'll like start well, again I next the week. day off so i can take the next day off yeah, and, yeah. It, it's such a slippery, slippery slope. slope yeah slippery exactly slope. man so <laughs> it's don't just stick to it do it every fucking day and it'll be great because i've had those times too where i get a call and it's like oh yeah can you do this gig like maybe i have like three weeks to rehearse or something yeah. but it is the the material is all like black it's all blast beats at like yeah. fucking 260 the whole time and i'm like as it should be for the record. <laughs> yes, so. <laughs> for the record, every but yeah. every drummer should be able to play that in yeah. a second's notice. But for me, yeah. I I was not <laughs> at that yeah. uh, yeah, at that level sure. at that and, time. So you know, yeah, and but and also like that kind of shit. You know, it takes so much dedication to like stick with it to be able to play at that speed. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I haven't played in Vale of Noth for like a number of years. And I just remember like at the time I was like, I could have, I could have answered that call, you know what I mean? But now it's like, yeah, I'm not really playing like that anymore. I'm like more of a 220, 230 type of guy these days. Yeah. You know, but, um, 
I don't know, but I think it's like you can get it back too. You know what I mean? It's like it just requires more just time. And honestly, like I've done it so many times where I'll take, uh, I just like felt myself getting burnt out. So I'll take a couple weeks off from mm-hmm. not, not necessarily from playing drums, but from uh, playing fast. Right. Yeah, From right. really practicing. Cause I always had my like routines that I would do that were, uh, like to build my speed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just take time off of that. And I was like, no, I'm just going to like play other stuff that comes to me and whatever. Like, uh, yeah. you know, which is honestly like, that's, that's the real shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. blast beats are amazing. Um, the you're best. never going to catch me talking shit about blast beats. It's my favorite. It's good. Um, <laughs> But, and I feel like being able to play that is very fun and satisfying and cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like it's a death metal drummer's curse where they try to play faster than they actually can. And, and I've seen like some guys who can even like rip at like, you know, 250, 260 and like not even break a sweat. But then if you slow it down and ask them to play a groove, you're, it just sounds like dog shit. Yeah. And I feel like you need to clean up your short game you know, and like really like nail the backbeats and hit rim shots and, you know, and like do interesting fills and stuff. And I think if you can, the total package would be able to like be able to do all that shit. Yeah. Just be like the, the best all around drummer ever. That's, you know, I mean, there was a, there was a thread on Reddit. Somebody was like, okay, so you get invited to this party and there's like a really nice, like top of the line drum kit. And, um, Somebody asks you if you want to play, not knowing that you're a drummer. Like, what's the first thing you would play? And a lot of people are like, some people's like, oh, the Purdy Shuffle. It's like, oh, or like the, you know, 280 BPM blast beats. Or yeah. it's like, what, what's like the one thing you would play, you know, when you sat down? And um, I don't know, a lot of people just seem to like, just like a really thick, like simple, nasty ass groove, I yeah. think, that, would be like the would most be the, impressive. That would, that would be the first thing I would want to do. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just something just hard hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just something like, to get people's heads bopping. That's it. And then throw in like a that, super tasty fill and then go yeah. into like some nice ride work or something, you know? Like, yeah. You know what else is cool is the anti fill where you just kind of stop and rest for four measures or and then come back in on the upbeat. Yeah. And then like that kind of shit's pretty cool too. I think that's pretty impressive. If you can keep the beat going. You know, yeah, like dude. in your head, basically. But yeah, like, because that's the shit. I mean, that's what drums are for. It's like rhythm. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can play like a really sick groove, then you're like a sick ass drummer. That's it. And obviously there's like sick drummers who can just rip it up as fast as shit. And that will always be cool and impressive. But I think I, I have more fun listening sometimes to just like really groovy, like pocket drummers, you know? Man, I I love the drummers um, that can groove within a blast beat. You know oh, what I totally. mean? Like, dude, uh, I saw um, you know Gabe Sieber, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Fuck. I saw him play with Abigail Williams a few weeks back, and um, he was doing this thing where he was like he was blasting. It was kind of like a mid tempo kind of a blast, but then he was also hitting like the backbeat accent like on the snare, like crossing over. So it was like, you know, Oh shit. It was like really cool. I, I'd never like actually seen that after watching that. And I was like, damn, that's sick. <laughs> that is sick. All right. Yeah. I might have to, uh, fucking try that one. Dude, he's that's... solid as fuck, man. So Dude, if he ever get the chance. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, go watch him play. I, I would absolutely love to. 
yeah. it was funny because I, I heard his name like all the time uh, mm. a few years Kennedy back. Vale. Yeah, and and then he like he was like the guy as like the fill-in drummer for like fucking sure. everybody, right? And then he yeah. kind of tech death guy. Yeah, and then I didn't hear about him for a while, and then uh, I pl- I think he was on that uh, uh, a nail. Nathrock, yeah, yeah, that record, and dude, that album is fucking insane. The drumming on was that, he on that was he on that album? I am fairly confident that he played drums on that record. Oh wow, well, I, I knew he was with uh, Abbott for a while. Oh, was he? Oh shit, yeah, he was. Oh, he toured with Abbott. Um, he had to wear a big horse mask or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> it wasn't a horse mask; it was like a mask big yeah. thing. But, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's sick. Um, yeah. yeah, I anyway, don't know. Yeah. I didn't, I just didn't see him like uh, he, his social media presence seemed to kind of fade, and I was like, "Fuck!" Like he mm. was like, "Well, I know he's got a kid and stuff. I mean, that could be a thing." And he he works hard. He he has a day job and everything. Mm-hmm. It happens, man. But well, also, you know, it, it always comes in waves where you're like super active and then mm-hmm. take a little breather and then come back. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Whatever. Fuck, dude. But the circle of life. <laughs> But it seems like you're you're kind of like a, a go-to guy for uh, for I was. Let's clarify. <laughs> I definitely were? was, but um, I don't know because I've I've definitely done a lot of stuff over the years, mm-hmm. and I still get asked to do stuff from time to time. But um, you know, for for a while, like I was in four active bands, and they were all touring. Yeah, and you know, I was gone like nine months a year, and I basically. I, I like achieved that objective where I was like, I can tour full time and it was like all different styles of music. Um, and, but yeah, I was just like, I, I kind of want to not be on the road that much, especially now that I have the video game job and mm-hmm. I really enjoy writing music and recording stuff. And, um, so I kind of want to been spending a lot of time doing that and would like to keep that going. Um, but yeah, like, so, but you know, Necro is my main gig now and, I feel like, you know, that's, that's like something where I can actually like as many, I've been touring for like, I don't know, 14 years, 15 years. And it's, you know, it you learn, you take a little bit away from each thing and apply it to the next thing. And it all adds to your, your bank of experience and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, so ne- Necro is my main squeeze and like we can tour, you know, pretty comfortably, um, where we don't have to drive ourselves anymore, basically. So, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, but it's, and it's a great group of dudes. The music is awesome. And speaking of cleaning up the short game, you know, it's helped me clean up my short game a lot. And uh, I just, it's really fun to play and and they're fun to travel with. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. So I love those dudes, man. They, uh, they took us out on our first real uh, stint in the States. Uh, Yeah. That was was like a couple of tours before I joined, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was 2015. Um, mm-hmm. and dude, it was fucking hella fun, dude. I love those guys. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. super sick. And uh, yeah, I uh, I'm kind of jealous, man, because uh, that stuff seems like a lot of fun to play on drums. And you still, yeah. I lis- I listened uh, to the last record because uh, you guys have a, a brand new record coming out in April, which we can Correct. get into uh, yeah. soon. We should probably talk about it, right? You know, I guess because you guys yeah. just released a new single, but uh, mm-hmm. listen to the the last record, and it's just like a lot of fun, and then you get you get a little bit of blast beats in there. You do, yeah. That <laughs> that was kind of like in my contract that I that doesn't. It's not a real contract. I was just like, okay, guys, I'm down, 
but here's what we got to do. You got to write me a song at 230 beats per minute. Yeah. Like that's my, that's basically what I said needed to happen. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And so Alex set the metronome at 2.30 and he's like, all right, done. Now to write a song. Yeah. And uh, that's how we got the Skin Thief. So, Sick. But that was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, I need a song at 2.30 and I have to put a blast beat in it. And that, exactly. that's Exactly. It. So it's yeah. like, there's from now on, there's always going to be at least one blast beat on every album. Um, you know, probably more if I can sneak them in. That's but it. that's just, you know, yeah, that's that's how it has to happen. You, um, you got to show them the, the numbers that the more blast beats you have, the more albums you sell. It's just, just science, man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's actually the inverse of that, but uh, we'll go with what you said. Uh, uh, they don't know. Like they bring, don't know. Yeah, they don't yeah, know exactly. how to read right, graphs, we, right? It's they'll just fine. make sure that they don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, and then we're good. they definitely won't. Come on. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, they're not um, they're not drummers, so they're not uh, legally allowed to listen to this. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes, they. Uh, the, I know Nikki really likes drums, but definitely not a drummer. Yeah, no, he's he's not good enough at playing drums yet. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, couple more years. But yeah, that's it. Don't quit your day job, whatever that is. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right, so new record, man. You guys uh, recorded with yes. uh, the man himself, Jason Sukoff, in yep, Florida. Yep. So he, yeah, dude. So um, I mean, he's he's a great dude. He's a super homie. Uh, we did the last one, uh, Welcome to Bonkers, with him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, like three days before, it was like three days before we went out to record Bonkers. Um, I got an infection on my leg from a tattoo like a fresh one. Fuck. And then I played a show with Veil of Noth and I, for some reason, was wearing long pants and um, it got infected. I was fucking dumb. Yeah, right? that's I not talk smart about at all, man. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so I like, um, yeah, it was it was bad. And I was basically, I was practicing my ass off to record as you do. Mm-hmm. And then like three days before I go to do it, I was like laid up in bed so I couldn't practice. And like, I was just like fucking kicking myself in the head. I was like taking antibiotics and shit. It was like, it was bad. Yeah. But by the time we actually got to work, you know, we made it happen anyway. Like, uh, and for this new one, I feel like the pre-production has been so in depth and there's been a lot of back and forth. Um, you know, when we did bonkers, it was a lot of like us getting to know each other, like us and Sukov and just kind of figuring out how, you know, how to work together and, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, but we really like established like a, like a really good friendship and, um, to the point where like we wanted to fly out to Florida just to hang out with him on new year's Eve, but the, the flights were like $800 and it's like, yeah, maybe not this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, you know, cause he's, he's really good at, I mean, first of all, recording and making albums. Um, but he's just like, he's really good at just immediately like breaking down the walls and making you feel comfortable. And, you know, we'll just like shoot the shit and like he'll have Golden Girls playing on the projector and whatever. Like, um, you know, he just likes to hang out. And, um, and so it's like, honestly, sometimes we have to be like, okay, so we should probably go back there and get some work done. And then like, you know, we'll go record for like a few hours and then come back and take a break and then like eat some food or whatever. And then we go back out and maybe do so. We'll, as far as drums, you know, we'll probably do like from one to three songs in a day, depending on mm-hmm. basically like to s- set ourselves up to have enough time um, to, to factor in like fucking off. Um, but also 
not so much fucking off to where you're not actually getting anything done. Yeah. Um, but you know, he just like, and he, he has a lot of ideas in terms of like, you know, it's like, Hey, try doing this fill or maybe hit the ride bell in between this thing. You know what I mean? Like just little things like that, that kind of really go a long way. And as, um, and he loves drums, he loves recording drums and, uh, but, um, yeah. And, and, you know, loves recording sick drummers, people that, that hit their drums really hard. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, I'll just say, I'll just go on record here saying that, uh, one of the bottom tension rods fell out of the snare when I was tracking one of the songs. So oh, I was shit. hitting it pretty hard. It was like a, <laughs> uh, bell brass snare. I can't remember the, oh, the fuck, thing, man. yeah, it was tight. It was tight, but yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, he's just, he's super fucking rad. His mixes sound amazing and he's just like a lot of fun to work with. And it's cool to like, you know, build, build like a rapport with a producer that you like, um, to where you're sort of, you know, building like a body of work over several albums where, you know, I mean, it's like, obviously everyone, I would say most everyone at least should have the ability to track themselves at home. Um, in terms, at least with like DI line guitars and vocals and everything, um, it's still worthwhile to do some stuff with a producer. Um, certainly drums, like I hate tracking myself on drums. Um, and so even like on my own setup, I might hire somebody to come over just to work the machinery. Yeah. I, I've done that in the past where I had sessions and I, I would hire my buddy to come into my studio yeah. and just, it's just so much easier. It's like literally twice as fast. Do the technical shit yeah. so I can focus on the fucking playing shit. Right. You know? Which is like, the important shit because yeah. you're, you're committing it to tape, you know, forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, but those are two, for me at yeah. least, those are two very different parts of my brain. Yeah. Right? They for sure are like, so, there's, yeah, you know, and yeah, where you're just trying to like wear two hats at the same time, mm-hmm. and then someone's like, "Why are you wearing two hats? That looks ridiculous. Take one of them off." Yeah, and like, and you're like pick oh. one. <laughs> yeah, pick yeah. one and fucking stick to it, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that it um it is a lot different. Like, I don't want to say anybody, but there are a ton of people who can mic up a drum kit or like mm-hmm. hit record and do that type of stuff, but having a certain connection and and um like a friendship with somebody like mm-hmm. how you guys have it with Sukov uh and like that can just make for such an amazing experience for the yeah, band 100%. you know and that can really show in an album or like dude, regardless mm-hmm. of if the album turns out being fucking garbage you yeah. as a person had a fucking great time recording it and at the end of the yeah. day why else That's do we matters. play yeah. and write and and do this whole music thing in the first place is you know for our own enjoyment oh, bitches really. and money oh, oh, oh right bitch, yeah no yeah, sorry no, to have yeah. fun yeah <laughs> i would say money. bitches and money that's why everyone gets into music yeah yeah obviously that's why we play blast beats 24 7 right <laughs> <laughs> bitches and Dude, money <laughs> bitches love blast beats what they can i do. say they really do hmm. yeah but <laughs> anyway um, but i yeah. i had the same thing like with uh i just was working with christian donaldson um mm-hmm. in montreal last month and mm-hmm. I've worked with several different guys, uh, and some of them really good experiences, some of them not as great, but working with Christian, who's like a Mm -hmm. solid professional and immediately, 
Um, I didn't know him very well going into it, but immediately yeah. like we connected and the joke started flowing and it was just me yeah. and him in the studio. Like the rest of the band wasn't there. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we really only had each other to feed off of to get through the days. Uh, yeah. and it like immediately like heading into the first day of actual tracking, like we already had a great rapport, uh, and, yeah. and, and like everything went so smooth. It was great. And we were doing like one to three songs a day. We weren't fucking stressing about shit. Like, I think mm-hmm. that is the comfortable, uh, yeah, that's space. the comfort zone for like, sure. It, it, essentially it's two songs a day is your goal. If you're feeling really hot, push for a third. Yeah. If you're not, or if it's really easy, you could bang it out. But like. If you're literally trying to make an album here that people are going to be listening to, you you want your performance to be the best it can be. Right. And after the second song, you know, it's like you're fucking sweating. And obviously, you know, you're like tuning drums up in between songs. But it's like Mm -hmm. you might like have to change out some of the heads or it's like you just really it's it's worth it to just take a step back and then come back the next day be 100% fresh and then, you know, knock out some more. Yeah. And some days when you get in there, like you get through one song and you're like, I'm fucking dead. Like I'm done. I got nothing left yeah. today. Let's let's call it for the day. Go like mm-hmm. have like a fucking nice sushi dinner or something like mm-hmm. that. Just relax and the next day come in and maybe you can bang out three songs. Right? Right, like, exactly. You know, it yeah. I I I'm done with the days of like, all right, we're banging out a whole record this weekend. Like, yeah, and it's like, no, yeah, not doing that anymore. Also, I mean, and we're we're in our mid thirties too, where it's like Dude. we don't really. There's no need to do that. Like maybe, I mean, maybe ten years ago, I'd be fuck yeah, like let's do like six albums in a week or whatever. In but a it's week, like, yeah. And yeah, I don't know, but it's like you can you could do shit like that, and it's cool to like prove to yourself that you can do it, I guess, but. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're making, when you're making like a real album, you know, you want it to be the best it can be. And so are you making it because you want to try to get it done as fast as possible or because you want it to get it done as, as good as possible? Oh, exactly. So it's right. like, you know, and it's like, try to enjoy the process, have fun. And, you know, I, I certainly appreciate professionalism, but I think I don't appreciate too much professionalism where it's like dude fucking lighten up you know what i mean yeah well at a certain point people who take things that seriously it almost becomes yeah. unprofessional sucks the life out of it yeah, yeah it, it sucks the life out of yeah, it yeah because like we play fucking metal or like what we play music yeah. in general right like it's not mm-hmm. pop music there's not millions of dollars on the line if we don't get right, something not, done yeah like you know? you're wasting someone's time if you're spending too much time in like this studio that costs half a million dollars every day and whatever it's like yeah we're it's not like i I honestly i feel like that's that's too much pressure (laughs) i don't even want to like operate on that level yeah no i'm i'm good (laughs) yeah i'm good where i'm at you know what i mean i like playing fun music with the homies and that's it that's just kind of what it is (sighs) fuck man i necrogolicon is the perfect band for you then eh fuck yeah that's what those guys are all about yeah (laughs) yeah but it's also cool to see like how far it's come over the years given Mm -hmm. where it started yeah and um you know i've been like homies with those dudes forever but then and it was obviously like never meant to be this big yeah (laughs) like it was never meant for that but now that it's here it's like okay let's like see how far we can take this dude even seeing how far they've come since we toured with them back in 2015 like that was their first 
I think that was their first headlining run that they had ever done. And yeah, that probably so. Yeah, and it took a really long time for the band to start touring at all. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. They they told us the whole story and everything like that, and dude, it, yeah. it it's crazy. Fucking only in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But great, great group of guys, and fucking love all those dudes. Like sick yeah. guys to to tour with and hang out with, and anytime they're in town, always it's always a fun time. So. But yeah. it's cool because, you know, people, it's easy for people to write off as like a gimmick thing mm-hmm. if you've never heard it. And then you listen to it and you're like, oh, wait, there's actually something here. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always say they, they come for the goblin, but they stay because the music doesn't completely suck. But also, you know, I mean, as we've grown and like all that, it's the desire to make better sounding albums, you know, is in place and like. And Nikki's a really great songwriter, and it's honestly so he basically he basically wrote like this record, and the last one was pretty much all him. I think Alex had a few riffs on um, on Bonkers, and then maybe one or two on this one. I don't want to speak for them, but I know it's been primarily Nikki, and because like Heavy Meta was a good album, but all the band members were contributing songs, so there wasn't really like a unified voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, and so that's kind of where honestly started to like shift was when like Nikki just took over writing basically all the material. And, um, but now that we've kind of established that I know for like, I'm definitely going to try to get a few riffs onto the next one. Yeah. Definitely. But, uh, you know, but we're going to, we're going to see, we're going to see how this one does. I think we're all very, very stoked on it. And I think people will like it. Um, for sure like i don't even think we've put out the best songs yet like the first two are pretty solid but my two favorite i think are yeah have not been released we released two singles so far from yeah. the new one because i saw the video for this mm-hmm. is it just got released yeah. Um, yeah which is sick like yeah that's yeah. a good one yeah you guys all fucking get killed so that's awesome. And then there, yeah. uh, I got better. <laughs> Spoiler uh, we alert. All, we all got yeah. better. Yeah. 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 We all yeah. got better. Though. This is no, this is just your clones. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> everybody had backups. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also, we put out the video for right now, um, which sort of was like, that was the first, we, that was in, I don't remember when that came out, December maybe, or, or sooner. I forget. But, um, so we also shot like six episodes mm-hmm. of right now with John Goblicon. Um, we were out, we were shooting for two days back in October and, uh, we shot both of those music videos for right now and for this is it. And then we also shot six episodes of right now with John Goblin, And we also recorded a bunch of like call to action stuff that like announcing tours down the line that we'll just fill in the blanks, you know, yeah. of John just being like, we're going on tour at with... <laughs> You know, and then just splice it in. So we got like that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like two days of shooting, like all day. And then we got like all this shit to like, kind of slowly roll out over the next few months. So, and dude, I will say that anytime a new episode of Right Now with John Goblicon comes out, I am, mm. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. <laughs> like literally, yeah. dude, uh, I can't get enough of that shit, man. Like it's so good. It's pretty good. It's pretty fucking good. Um, but also just, you know, objectively, I'm like, I'm really stoked that the guys involved 
in making that happen are still into it. And they also still really love the band, obviously. Like Dermer, mm-hmm. I mean, like Necro is like one of his favorite bands and that was what inspired him to do the the No One Survives video in the first place. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, now that like John Goblicon is kind of taking off, like they're still, they're still into it. And like, it wasn't just like a one-off thing, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, he's as much a part of the team now, Dermer is, I mean, our director, you know, he's like as much a part of a te- of the team as like any one of the band members, at least when it comes to like, you know, directing shit. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's sick, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, and all all the video stuff that you guys have around the band just looks fucking phenomenal. So yeah, dude, he's yeah, a, he's a dude. pro. He's yeah, a pro yeah. for yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, so all right, so we're we're getting a little short on time here, but there's really? something when I uh, I was doing a little digging on because you you've played for a lot of bands over the years, right? Correct. And uh, I was I was looking for something. Um, but I found something different and I didn't know that you played for this band, but, uh, apparently you played for destroy, destroy, destroy. Is that, yeah. is that a that fact? Like, yeah. They were like my first metal band <laughs> Dude, back in the day. Like, are you I, like, you're aware of them? <laughs> are you kidding, man? They yeah. were like one of my favorite bands, especially devour the power. Wow. Dude, wow. that record was like, it kind of sculpted what my band Crimson Shadows would do shortly yeah. after that. Cause we, I think that album came out in 2006. Yeah. That's and right. we formed in 2006. So oh, no we got like, we found that record and was like, Holy shit, this is kind of like right in the same type of vein of what we're trying to do. And it kind yeah. of like helped elaborate our thought process on how we would write songs moving forward. So wow, man, that's really awesome, <laughs> dude. That's I really was cool. I got so pumped. I actually like started putting on that record uh, when oh, I yeah. found, like an hour ago. I feel like it still kind of holds up. Like it's pretty dude, good. It's so good. It's so yeah. sick. Yeah, even the production, everything's like no. This still sounds sounds fucking sick, man. Yeah. So that was uh, so Jeremiah. He's the guitar player at mm-hmm. the time. Um, he's also a, an audio engineer and producer guy and he plays for demon hunter now. Oh shit. So he's like, Sick. so he's a guitar player for demon hunter. Um, you know, big tall dude tattoos and yeah. you know, big metal guy, beard tattoos, you, you know, him, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, so, but he's cool and, and, and his shit's coming along. I think he produced like demon hunter shit now. Like, you know, he's doing pretty good. He's got a place in Nashville. Um, and uh yeah dude but i don't know man like that was that was just me i was a fucking child basically like trying to figure it out and i i moved to tennessee i don't know around 2004 or whatever it was or five yeah probably around 2004 and um yeah and then so they had a guy do you remember a band called the showdown they were like on um i think tooth and nail or whatever like uh they're kind of like christian sort of like southern metalcore they're actually pretty dope yeah um but they put out a few records and they were um so they were the original destroy drummer uh was in that band they toured with like trivium like a long time ago okay Um, you know so and uh but basically you know destroy needed a drummer and um i had uh i had like Oddly enough, like I went, I grew up in Maryland and, um, I had like maybe 
10 or 15 people that I went to high school with ended up going to MTSU in Murfreesboro and, um, cause they had a really good recording program. And, um, so I had like a bunch of friends that moved out there and that's, you know, part of the reason I sort of found my way out there, out that way. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, and they, I guess were just through the college or whatever, were friends with some of the guys in destroy. And at the time when I was 19 years old, I made an album called 11 reasons to kill yourself. And it's just like, I basically woke up one day, I was living with a buddy who had recording equipment. And so I just mic'd up my drums and just like recorded blast beats and stuff. And then I was also on Adderall at the time. So none of the songs ended up being very long. Um, it was very ADD and, uh, Basically, I ended up with 11 tracks, so I just recorded the drums, and then once that was done, I cut it into 11 different songs and just added guitar riffs and um, did vocals and, like, shitty bass and, like, used some uh, movie samples. Like, I sampled Spaceballs, like, Ludicrous Speed Go, you know? Fucking sick. Dude, that, yeah, all of and, this sounds so fucking amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear this record now. I'll send it to you, but it's nowhere online and, uh, you know, but I'll send it to you. I would and if love someone that. hits me up and wants to hear it, um, I'll know that you listen to this and that's the only way you'll get to hear it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so I had this, which was basically like my demo. I just made this thing yeah. that like sounded like shit, but it was fun. It was just blast beats. Like that was the focus. I just wanted to record blast beats for the first time. And, um, so somebody some, somehow destroy got a hold of that. And they were like, oh, yeah, this guy's moving to town. Like, he would for sure be down. And at the time, like, you know, Destroy was like, could draw, like, decent enough around town. I mean, we could play a show and bring, like, 50 people, which was, like, unprecedented. Yeah. And um, and so, but they didn't really tour or anything. And then I joined, and then we started doing local shows. And uh, also with the homies in Tony Danza Tap Dance Extravaganza, if oh, you remember shit. them. Of course. From yeah. the same area. So we oh, kind of wow. were all playing shows together and we would book shows together and we would get a lot of back in the MySpace days, you know, doing show trades yeah. with each well, other. MySpace and, is how I find I found out about Destroy was because nice. of the MySpace top ten. Right? Yeah. There you yeah. go. There you go. But yeah, and so I don't know, and then I started playing with them and then I was like, guys, let's go on tour. Like you want to do that? And because of the region, it was like really easy to go on tour because all the States are so close together. Mm -hmm. So it would be super easy. We could cover like so much ground in like a week and a half, two weeks. And, you know, just like emailing people to like book shows. And so we did a few tours like that. And then a couple that like, I think one that was booked by an agent, which was just like some kid and, uh, (laughs) and an agent, (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly some guy but i mean honestly yeah. it, it was with a band called for today which is like a huge like christian hardcore band yeah but he liked our band and he booked he was booking for for today at the time i don't even think anybody is still in that band that was in it at the time um but and then we went out for like a month with them and i don't know it was just weird we just ended up in all these weird ass situations and now playing like dive bars and so did you, I, I've had this discussion with a couple other guys that are mm. like around our age and like grew up playing in our late teens and stuff. Did you say that you guys could cover so much ground in like a week and a half? Is that cause you were playing like not necessarily like major cities, but like small local towns 
and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like, it was a little of both. I would say, yeah, would, you know, and nowadays I'm, I come to understand this is known as like A market, B market, C market. But like, it was literally just like emailing a bar and being like, can we play there in exchange for like a free bar tab? Yeah. <laughs> and then they would cut us off after like 30 minutes because we drank a lot. And then, um, or just like getting on MySpace and like finding cool bands that you wanted to play with and being like, hey, you know, can we, can you get us a show there? We're trying to go on tour. And then if you ever come through Nashville, we'll book you here. Like yeah. easy. Yeah. And there was just so much of that going on. It was like really easy. And it, so it didn't matter. It was all kind of, it was mostly, you know, getting in touch with other bands that we liked that we thought would fit and just being like, Hey, we should play a show together. And then kind of banking on them being like, cool, sounds good. And then they'll set it up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, obviously there's like a, a billion different ways to do it, but that was, I think, you know, that was a big part of that era was, you know what I mean? Like just the show trade thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, like mostly I would say not major cities for sure. Well, because for me, it was like, we used to play in like tiny, like butt fuck nowhere towns and cow, cow towns. Yeah, because, and like, I'm only about 40, 45 minutes outside of Toronto, but like, we would mm -hmm. play at all these tiny little towns and hundreds of kids would show up. You know, yeah. like, my like local, my local community really center, sick. yeah, my local mm -hmm. community center in Caledon East is like a nothing town, and we used to get like two, three hundred kids out. And that, that just like doesn't exist anymore. So it's funny, like, right. and I knew a ton of bands in that uh, time frame that were uh, older that were mm. touring who were in their like mid twenties and stuff and on record labels and stuff who would come around to there right. and like playing these like crazy hole in the wall community centers in like yeah. Mount Albert. Like <laughs> there's like a population of like 1500 people in this whole town, but it would be fucking well, people packed. from nearby areas. They hear about a show that's going on and they go check it out. Like, that's it, yeah. man. Like you might like we had three different high schools that were all in the same area. So mm -hmm. you had kids from all those high schools all going to the one show on the Saturday or whatever, and it would yeah. be fucking packed. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like because that usually ends up working out pretty well because. I mean, I, I feel like maybe the, the gut reaction is like, why the fuck would you play there? But honestly, like, why the fuck wouldn't you play there? Because, you know, people like want something to do. And if mm -hmm. like a sick metal band is coming through, like, yeah, that sounds like fun. You know, even at the church, like we've played at churches and stuff where they would yeah. just do sort of like youth focused activity. Oh, we'll do a live rock concert here. That would be good for yeah. to stimulate the youth. And it's like their parents can feel comfortable dropping them off. At a show, because yeah. it's like at a church and whatever. and At a church, and then it's actually like all black they, metal we, bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, they ask you not lot. to cuss. They yeah. ask you not to cuss. You're like, oh, don't worry. We won't cuss. And then <laughs> proceed to play like the most brutal grim yeah just shit. chanting hail satan the whole time yeah. <laughs> like fucking sick yeah yeah we used to have that all the time too like uh i miss was, that shit man there was two different churches in in brampton uh close to me that that we used to put shows on at and they were fucking awesome tons of death metal and black metal and all types of shit like that would play it was, it was fucking dope man yeah yeah man i miss those times but at the same time it's like if the kids aren't into it because really it it is for guys in like high school 
or like people in right. high school and you know but uh like the the youth if you will all those shows mm. so if they're not into it then there's not much that we can do you yeah know? it's i i you know yeah you can't force anyone to do anything they don't want to do you can sort of encourage them to step out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. but it's at the end of the day yeah it's like i don't know i just try to focus on making the shit that i want to make and doing the stuff that i want to do and if other people are on board with that like all the better but yeah that's sick dude all right on 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 that note thank you for coming on and chatting with me is there anything else that you want to uh talk about here uh no you guys all right it's a new record the fundamental slimes and humor is out on humors correct yeah and humors is out on april 1st yep on on Uh, really april 1st on april fool's day no that's it we can't make an april fool's joke before april fool's so if we're telling you ahead of time it's legit it's legit it's gonna happen that's yeah the only thing is adele is is the reason why bands are having such a hard time getting vinyl made right now because she needed half a million copies of her album on vinyl and so literally all the plants in the country are backed up so the vinyl is going to be a little bit late but the cds are still there and obviously it'll be on streaming everywhere and yeah and you can blame probably, adele exactly for, please for, blame adele yeah please uh tweet at her or <laughs> however <laughs> you do it <laughs> be like how dare you how dare you repress your album who's buying yeah. adele records i don't know fucking dorks I guess. Yeah, fucking nerds who don't like blast. No beats. offense to any of you dorks who like Adele. I don't know. Whatever. You know, I will say as far as pop Adele music fans, goes, we'll say that Adele yeah. fans. I'm not. I don't. I can't. Ha- I can't hate on her. Like she doesn't have blast beats in her songs, but yeah. See, that's what she's missing is blast beats. And if she had blast beats, maybe I would give her the time of day. Yeah, but well, if she had blast beats, she'd be repressing fucking two million. <laughs> Yeah, vinyls. we'd be backed up for another year. Yeah, it'd that, be a so. decade if you added blast Fucking beats hell. with Adele. Fuck, dude. Careful what you wish for, I guess. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, uh, bro. Yeah. Other uh, than that, I just want to say uh, if you could wish list Sea of Stars on Steam, that's the game that uh, I'm working on. Um, that would super help out. Basically, that's it. And maybe check out Wizard Throne too, because uh, I want to make another record with them. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So, so all of the those links will be in the show mm-hmm. notes. So go check out that shit. Eric Brown, thank you for joining me. It's been Thanks. a pleasure. It's actually Eric W. Brown. Eric uh, W. Professionally. Brown. Just, so, you know, it's all good. But all good. I just thought I'd clarify. <laughs> it's easier to Google, I think. Yeah, Eric W. Brown, because there is another Eric Brown who is a drummer. It's such a fucking stupid name, common yeah. name, so... The, anyway eric w brown thank you for joining me <laughs> thank you for indulging me dude thanks for having me man it's fun One